Well, that's great singing and a great message. What a glorious thing to be a part of the family of God in something called a church. I'm so glad you're here today. And I'm grateful for what you do to be the church and not just attend the church. Thank you. Today, it's my privilege to welcome a person that is no stranger to any Baptist church in America. His name is Dennis Swanberg. Dennis is a friend. We've known each other for a long time. And Dennis is one of those people that just has a gift from God to make folks smile. Some folks brighten a room by leaving it because they're always depressed. Dennis brightens a room when he enters it because he always has a good story and a big smile and makes you laugh. I've always envied people who can get you smiling and stick you with the truth and you remember them. Jesus did that with parables. He'd tell them a truth and then link it to an eternal truth. They said, I remember what he taught me. When you hear Dennis Swanberg, you remember what he said and you remember how he taught you. Dennis has just written nine books, bless his heart. He's still a beginner. He's, he has hosted two different television shows in his life. He's got over two dozen DVDs and CDs of humor and stories. He's a remarkable man. Been in the pastorate ministry, was in the pastorate for 23 years. 1995 entered full-time ministry of humor and ministry of encouragement and been doing that now for a long time. The reason I want Dennis to be here is because he is a friend and tomorrow he's going to be at the BGCO morning session for senior adults. We have a group of you that are going and I'm so grateful. He'll be there with Rob Zinn and he'll also be there with the former pastor of First Orlando, Jim Henry. Those three will speak to all that are present in Oklahoma City First Southern tomorrow at Dell City at the Evangelism Conference for Seniors. The reason I wanted Dennis to come today, and he was so gracious, he said, Nick, is there something you would like for me to speak on? Well, some time ago, he sent me this book. I was in the series on Christmas tree, uh, the trees of Christmas, and Dennis gave me his latest book called Planting Shade Trees. Well, I was already in the series on trees, but when I got this one, I'm telling this book thrilled me. It's just a very simple, easy read, but it's profound in its meaning. We were talking before the church how all of us remember things related to trees. I've asked Dennis today to bring a bukoodle of these because I, want, I would like to ask every family take one of these home. It's an easy read, so it's not something you're going to say, my word, that's hard. No, it's so practical, it'll reach up and grab you. It's got fresh stories. We've been studying now the trees since the last Sunday in November, the parable of the trees. This one would be a great companion to all we've studied. You won't find anything I've plagiarized, I don't think, in there, but you'll find a whole fresh batch of marvelous stories of how God wants to plant us to plant trees that others will sit under just as folks planted trees for us that we've enjoyed for a lifetime. In just a few moments, a dear friend of Baptist, wonderful servant of God, and a tremendous communicator, Dennis Swanberg, is going to come share with us. Dennis, a delight to have you. Join with me and let's pray together. Would you, Father? I'm so glad today to be a part of the family of God. In a world that just seems so bent on violence and hatred and spewing venom, it's good to hear the praises of the Almighty. It's good to see smiles and laughter and handshakes and hugs. It's good to be in a place where the name of Jesus is not used as profanity, but as praise. It's good to hear a choir sing to your glory. It's good to be with people who are going to hear a message from your messenger about how we can be trees for God, growing and maturing and letting others find uh, good life because we have found the good life in Jesus. I pray today for my brother Dennis. Thank you for the gifts you've given him. Help him to realize today he's just right at home today in this place. We love him, and I know he loves you and you love us. And so I pray today we'll just listen attentively, grow in your grace, 
And at the time of the invitation, we'll do what the Spirit of God prompts us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Make welcome Dennis Swanberg. Would you do that? Dennis, God bless you, my brother. Glad to have you here. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Pastor. It's great to be with you this morning. And I do want to bring you this message about planting shade trees that you may never sit under, but others will. We've heard that phrase before. It's not a new phrase uh, with me. It's been around a long, long time, as long as some of your oldest shade trees that are out there. Uh, Not everyone can be a legend, but everyone can leave a legacy. Isn't that right? And I I don't know if we have any legends in here, but Nick is pretty close. He's been here 30 years forever. And, uh, but, but everyone can leave a legacy. You know, one of my favorites, of course, is Yogi Berra. Now, Yogi Berra was a legend. Yogi Berra won a 10 World Series. He was in more than that played, what, 18 years or so with the New York Yankees. I mean, I was raised a Yankee in uh, Austin, Texas. We had one television channel, and we got, we got the Yankees. I don't know why we got them, but we got them, so I grew up a Yankee. You know, that's just a Yankee fan. But I've always loved Yogi, and, uh, and when he died last year, and I heard on the radio that he had passed away, I mean, my, my thought goes back to Yogi. I mean, the great man that he was. He was part of the Normandy invasion of World War II. He, he was quite a, quite a man, quite a dad, uh, married for a long, long time, 60 years or, or more, uh, kids and grandkids. It, it, there was a lot to Yogi Berra, but he had his yogiisms, and I loved his yogiisms. You know, like when you come to a fork in the road, take it, and you're in Coweta. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it happens. But when, he, when I heard that he had passed away, I thought of his yogiism that he had said years before. If you don't go to your friend's funeral, they won't come to yours. <laughs> I mean, think about it. <laughs> well, now he's a legend. But everyone in this room, everyone within the sound of my voice, Everyone can leave a legacy, and that's exciting. My great-grandpa, Aaron Johnson, on my mama's side, Pauline Bernadine, my mama, I love my mama, and she's still, my mama's still doing good, you know, uh, 87 and just pressing on, five foot tall, healthy, you know. She sort of fills out her little Alfred Dunner outfits. And, and her little jacket works just right. And I said, Mama, will that fit? Well, I don't button anything anymore. I went, well. And by the way, just helping some of y'all out, if you don't have a little Alfred Dunner outfit, the britches are awesome. They just, woo, woo. They just, woo, woo. They just, they're expandable, you know. I wish he would make some for the men. But anyhow, uh, I love my little mama. It's on her side. Her grandpa came from Sweden in the 1880s, settled east of Austin, Texas in a little community called New Sweden. Swedes are very creative people. New Sweden. And, but I'm, yeah, sure, you betcha. And so there in that little community, he bought some land. And uh, when he got it paid for, uh, then he was going to go back to Sweden to pick up his fiance, his, his bride-to-be. 
Well, he had to get some money, so he went through Louisiana, worked down there at New Iberia, uh, worked down there in the old salt mines that are still there. Very dangerous back then. Everything was by hand, shovel, uh, down in those deep mines, cave-ins often, but good money. So then he got some money working there, and then he went to Galveston. Galveston, oh, Galveston. I mean, just... That was our big vacation to go to Galveston when I was growing up from Austin. We'd drive down there. We were working people. We weren't white collar. We weren't blue collar. We were more ring around the collar, but we'd go to Galveston. Most beautiful brown water you've ever seen in your life. And my grandpa, great grandpa, went down there and got on the boat, went to Sweden, got there, walked into her house, packed with family and friends because they all wanted to see and hear from this one who'd been to America, and he walks in there, and he's excited. He sees his fiance. He says, honey, I got the piece of land. Let's get married. We'll go back, and we'll build our little nest out in the lonesome west and let the rest of the world go by. And she said, I'm not going. <laughs> Is that a fine how do you do after all of that? Good night. But right then and there, right after she said no, her sister was in the room. And it's this true story. And her sister said, I'll go. And it was just simpler back then, people. It was just simpler. And she became my great grandma. I'm telling you, she, they got, got on the boat, went back to America, Carolina Johnson. And they get back there and they, they build that house, house still there where my grandpa was born. He, and he slept in the corner that he was born in until he was 95 years old. That's a long time in the corner, ain't it? <laughs> and they got back, had Uncle Turi, had Aunt Minnie, had my grandpa Carl, then had Gertie, and then Uncle Martin was in her womb when my great-grandpa took sick and died. We found articles, letters written in Swedish and translated it and talked about he took sick and died. You know, he's a young man, wasn't he? 43 years old. But one thing he did when he built the house, he planted shade trees around the house because east of Austin was just prairie land. Y'all know how that is out here in Oklahoma. And it was just prairie. So he planted some shade trees and down by the barn, he planted some fruit trees. He planted shade trees he never, ever sat under. But my grandpa did, my mother has, I have, and my boys have. You get the picture. And we've all got stories like that about those that have gone before us that have literally planted some shade trees. And I'm going to tell you one thing. If you want to have a good church business meeting, uh, I remember it happened one time when I was in Fort Worth and I was on staff at a church and uh, I talked with the pastor and the I said, what are we having tonight for business meeting? He said, not going to take long. All we need to do is we've got to cut down a couple of trees so we can add 20 more uh, parking spaces to our parking lot. I said, great. He said, it won't take long at all. I remember an hour and 45 minutes later. <laughs> and you know what? Those trees never came down. <laughs> People have an affinity for trees. They realize that a tree takes time for it to grow and all these kinds of things, and you sort of get attached to it. 
Uh, I even have a story in my book. There's, there's a, a lady that she left her bicycle next to the tree and she took off and was gone forever and came back. People were talking about finding a tree that had this bicycle that was, you know, up about 10, 12 feet off the ground. And uh, she comes back and she says, that's my bicycle. Sometimes trees can capture a season of your life. They can capture and, and they, they, they grab a hold of you. And I'm telling you, when I think about those that have gone before me, that have planted shade trees for me, it captures me. It engulfs me. As much as when Grandpa and I would walk down that barbed wire fence row and, and, and he would show me how the barbed wire had grown into the, those hackberry trees that are, if you trim them, they look more like a pecan tree. But that's what you have to do in Texas. But we would find old implements that my great-grandpa would put in there and leave there, and they'd grown around them. You know, trees had literally grown through uh, big old barrels, and the barrel was around the tree. I mean, it just could capture you. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will capture us this morning when we think about planting shade trees. You know, as a Christian humorist, impressionist, I've had people that have planted shade trees for me over and over again. Billy Graham has been a hero of mine, it seems like, forever and ever and ever. I was with Dr. Graham just this uh, before Christmas. We honored uh, uh, his minister, his music man, uh, Cliff Bearish. Thank you. I'm 62. Work with me. Okay. <laughs> Cliff Bears, 92 years old, can't see, but still sharp as a tack. Those two guys are, still remain. You know, uh, Bev Shea uh, lived to be about 104. I, I did stuff with Bev Shea when he was 97, 98, 99. And at that time, he would sit down and sing, but wouldn't you? <laughs> He's an awesome guy. Those guys have planted some shade trees. They planted shade trees for me because wherever I go, you know, if evangelical circles, I'll say, do Billy Graham, do Billy Graham, and I'll tell them stories about when I was with Dr. Graham. And like one time we were sitting there and we were just rocking in these rockers. And I said, Dr. Graham, these are nice rockers. And I was just trying to make conversation. And he said, he said it was my idea to put rockers all over the cove. People like to rock and spend time together. And so we put these rockers all over the cove on every porch. Ruth and I have rockers at our home in Montreat, and friends will come over and we'll rock together. And I don't know why I said it, Nick, but I looked at him and I said, Cracker Barrel has some nice rockers. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm going. Have you ever felt like an idiot? I just felt like an idiot. I went, oh my goodness. But you know, he's so gracious. You know what he said? He said, there's too many people at Cracker Barrel. I mean, what? <laughs> but he's planted shade trees for me and, and for other people all around the world. And then I think about, uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart. Now I know he's, he's old and the young people don't know him. Uh, sometimes I tell the young people that when they're looking at me and don't even know who Jimmy Stewart is. I tell them, listen, if you don't learn to know who J Jimmy is, you're not going to get any of our inheritance either. Do you hear me? You know, just, just fake it for Jesus. And watch, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. Every Christmas time with Grandma and Grandpa, Mamma, Papa, Mimi, Pops, Poops, Pops, Big Mama, Gaga, Gigi, you know. But 
Jimmy Stewart planted a shade tree for me. And of course, Don Knotts. I mean, I watched the Andy Griffith show forever. And for years, I mean, all I have to do is just go, nip it in the bud. <laughs> and, you know, people will laugh of our generation. And so wherever I go, do Barney, do Barney. Oh, this body is a lethal weapon. And <laughs> I'll watch it. I still watch it. It's still on television. TV land, is there any other channel? You know, uh, little did he know he planted a shade tree for me. I remember when he died, uh, one of my buddies called me. I was driving and he called me and I said, hey, what's going on? He said, you just hear? Oh, he said, Don Knotts, old Barney Fast dad. I said, yeah, I just heard that on the radio. He said, you made a lot of money off of him, didn't you? <laughs> Good night. You laymen, y'all are so blunt. And I thought about it and I went, well, I guess I did. <laughs> but he planted a shade tree for me. On and on it could go. I mean, uh, and so, you know, politicians, they've even helped me as an entertainer. If it's Ronald Reagan uh, saying, well, yes, no. Uh, Y'all remember they made a big to-do about my age. They said I was too old uh, to be uh, president. And it bothered Nancy and it bothered me. I remember talking to Thomas Jefferson about it one time, and he said it bothered him too. I did a Republican, so I got to do a Democrat. So, hey, as Bill Clinton would say, may I just share my heart? I, I do miss the White House. Uh, pray for Hillary, but I, Nick, I do believe I just need to sort of confess that if I had met Sarah Palin in college, I'd be a Republican today. <laughs> now lighten up, if you're a Democrat, you won. Uh, I've had a lot of people be good to me. But one of my favorite shade tree planters in the Bible is Jeremiah. Chapter 32, so if you have your Bible, turn there. I know, I know there's probably some sweet lady in the back going, is he going to get to the Bible or not? I'm, I got it right here, baby. I'm coming. I'm slow. This was a long introduction. Now, if I'd have preached like this at the seminary, I'd have made an F. But I made a lot of money doing it this way, so I'm just, you know, feel led to move on. But take your Bible. It's chapter 32, and... Uh, Verse 6, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth, because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came uh, to me in the courtyard of the garden and said, buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right and redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth for my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy, containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel. And all the witnesses who had signed the deed and all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard, in their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Now take note, take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase 
and put them in a clay jar so that they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land, planted in this land. Shade trees, if you will, will again be planted in this land. You know your church history. It was a bad time. Uh, the king, just Zedekiah, wouldn't listen. But Jeremiah preached. He was faithful. Preached over 40 years. He preached, but no one came forward. There were no, no decisions. Not like Billy Graham when, when hundreds and thousands would come. Your bus will wait for you. Won't you come? You know, he didn't have that. No wonder he was the weeping prophet. He was faithful in season and out of season, but no one would make that decision. And he warned them and warned them and warned them. And finally, the Babylonians are coming. They're building the siege ramps up to the city of Jerusalem. It's a matter of time before they take over completely. And we know in our history that they did. And then they took many of God's people to Babylon. And they were in captivity for 70 long years. And then finally the Persians come along and the Persians, Osiris, they defeat the Babylonians. And uh, the Persians were not an occupying kind of people. So they, they, were, they said, if you want to go home, go home. Uh, after they saw the witness of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Cyrus said, go on home if you want to go home. And they did go home. And when they came back, when they came back to Jerusalem, as they came back to that area, Anathoth was three miles from Jerusalem. It was the hometown, so to speak, of Jeremiah. When they came back home to Anathoth, they had a place to live. Why? Because Jeremiah had bought the field at Anathoth. He'd paid 17 shekels of silver for it. He signed the deeds. He put the ring, the signet, uh, into the wax. He took care of it in front of witnesses. There was a sealed copy in a jar, and there was an unsealed copy, an open copy, because there were a lot of Baptists there, and they wanted to see the budget line. <laughs> and they came back, and they had a place, and they rejoiced. Can you imagine if all of a sudden someone revealed to you, hey, we've got 10,000 acres for you just right over yonder here, and by the way, it's, it's for you as a great-great-grandpa or somebody, and, and by the way, you have all the mineral rights, and we want to pump a little gas and oil out of there. Uh, can somebody say amen? You would be a happy person, wouldn't you? And every time that old oil well bobs up and down, you tell your wife, you can go buy it. Now, if it ain't bobbing, you might want to put it on hold. Would that be awesome? It'd be better than the Powerball that everybody wants. More than that, God has done something for every one of us to bless us. When they went back there, they had a place, and it was all because Jeremiah bought the field at Anathoth. We have no record to believe that he ever benefited personally from that piece of land, but he bought it. Now, what does it take real quick to plant some shade trees? I want to focus on this because you are shade tree planters. I've watched you over the years. I've watched ever since about 1986, 87. Uh, when I went to Second Baptist Church, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I followed uh, Dr. Garland, Nick Garland, I mean the man, and it's hard to follow a, tiger, a guy that's got a tiger by the tail. He's a worker. He's a good man. 
And I sort of lived in his shadow, and it felt good in the summer, but in the winter, it was a little chilly. <laughs> and he came on up here to Oklahoma, where the wind blows, and there ain't nothing to stop it. And he was faithful, been here a long time. As Billy Graham would say, like forever and ever, he and Janine, sweet Janine, I saw her up on the big screen just singing away with a smile on her face. You know, not everybody can sing while they're smiling. That's a gift. And I just, I, I said, Nick, is that Janine up there in the choir? He said, yeah, top left. He'd already spotted her. <laughs> Lord have mercy, calm down over there, son. <laughs> still boy, still in love. Nice to see him get to sit together during a worship service got his arm around her and everything and Janine's probably going, okay. You know, nah. <laughs> Nobody was looking, but now we are. <laughs> it's okay. All right, back to the scripture. What does it take to be a shade tree planter? Like your pastor, like you is what I'm trying to say. You guys have done it. Y'all are shade tree planters. You know all about it. You've done it but I want, to keep, I want to encourage you to keep on doing it. Don't stop. Don't think, well, I've got my quota. Don't think that, hey, I've planted my share. My dear friend, there's more shade trees to plant. You plant shade trees to the day you die. You realize even sometimes the last word you say to a loved one, they'll cling to it for the rest of their life, for the rest of their 50 years that they have left. It's a shade tree. It's amazing. Don't ever quit planting shade trees. What does it take? First of all, it takes your sensitivity. You got to hear God so that you'll plant what he wants you to plant. You know, it's real simple, isn't it? Just do what he tells you to do. But we've got to listen. We've got to hear from him. We've got to be sensitive. And apparently he was sensitive because he, he said, the word of the Lord came to me. He heard him. Have you heard the Lord speak to you lately? Have, has there been times when you've Giving him times, a quiet time, a, a place where you can hear from him. I was listening to a, a, a TV, a radio preacher the other day, and I liked what he, he was going to preach about the Bible and all about the Bible and the Word of God. And I thought, well, I'm ready to hear about it because I love the Word of God. And his first point was this. I loved it. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick up the Bible. Pick it up. Open it. Read it. We have good intentions. We got the cup of coffee right there. I got my community blend, dark roast, right there with me. I'm, I'm sipping on it. But then I pull my, my cell phone out, and I'm checking the little news. And then my, I'm going to check Facebook real quick. I, I'm going to go check our little newspaper real quick. I check the obituary column because, you know, I'm at that stage of life. I, you know, I never thought I would, but I check all the time, see if I know anybody. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it Hey, I got to get going. And the word of God is going, hey, hey. What, what, what about me? We have to have a sensitivity to hear from him. Jeremiah was sensitive to hear and get a word. Aren't you glad he was sensitive and listening on that day? Second thing it takes is it takes your, it, you, you got to surrender to plant the next shade tree. Man, you know, I can say I've planted a lot of shade trees. I was a pastor for 23 
years. I mean, we, every church we went to, we had, you know, together we build not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Lord, have mercy. And they expect the preacher to give something. I asked my financial planner the other day when I could retire. He said, 89. And if Laurie quits buying shoes, 86. <laughs> sort of got pumped up. Our church, we built a children's building several years ago, and they wanted us to be, you know, give a lead gift to sort of prime the pump with some others to advance gifts. Well, Lord have mercy, didn't even, I don't have any grandbabies. Want me to help with a children's building, Lord have mercy. I was almost sort of like a contrary usher or deacon. My wife goes, honey, we aren't going to help. I went, oh, yeah, well. I don't even have any grandbabies to go down there. Let these young people help out if they want to. Lord, have mercy. About their time to step up. And my wife rebuked me and the Lord got me. And next thing I knew, we chunked over some money. <laughs> she even gave them my RV. I had an RV. <laughs> you know, an RV to a man, that's his fort. That's his fort. And she gave it. I said, what are you doing? She said, you do not need that RV. I said, baby, I love you, but if you die before me, I'm going to get me an RV that has slide outs on each side, and I'm going to look up to heaven, and knowing you're the balcony of heaven, I'm going to have each one slide out going, and I'm going to be out there. But, you know, that just felt good to get that out of my system. But... But you know what? The reality is that's a, I mean, and now Chad and his, his wife, Chad's out there at my product table. They're going to have a baby and a little girl and, and uh, we're going to name her, you know, her name Presley, P-R-E-S-L-E-E, Presley. Isn't that cute? I think it's beautiful. And I'm going to be big swan and my wife's going to be honey love. And when I take her into that little children's area, I'm going to go, I'll tell you what, I'll help build this thing right here. <laughs> but you know, ain't it? now our church, we're grown and now they want to build a worship center. Lord have mercy, I'm 62. I've got to build for retirement. I know they're going to be coming at me. But I can't ever quit planting shaders. But I'll tell you what, I have to die daily to do it, and you do too. Don't think you can just do it on your own. If you think you can do it on your own, you'll only get what you can do, and that ain't a whole lot. But if you do it in the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, then it takes your silver. You knew I'd get there. It takes your money. Shade trees cost money. I pray everyone here is a, a tither. I pray everyone here gives above and beyond the the tithe, I pray that you'll be, have a sensitivity with your talents, with your time, but, but also with your, your treasures, but also that silver, because it, it costs money to plant shade trees. I mean, have you bought one lately? A while back, we got a new home, and, and it was landscaped, and, but Laurie wanted to bring in a little another landscaper fella, you know, good night. She wanted to have these little thin, skinny cedar trees that go up high. You know, here and here and here. I want it to sort of flow. I want it to flow. I'll tell you what, my, I ain't no money to flow. You know, just. I said, let's buy little ones and watch them grow like my shade tree sermon. Now I want them full grown. Have you bought one of those lately? 
when the guy was putting them in, Laurie wasn't there, and I, I probably shouldn't have been this way, but I went over to him and I said, buddy, I'm going to tell you something. If this tree dies, you and I are going to have a come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> And he, and he said, weren't you a pastor over there at First Baptist West Monroe? Yeah, that was a long time ago. These better grow, buddy. <laughs> Tell you what. I pray that you have the kingdom work in your will. Laurie and I have a, a will. And if, and if we, one day, if we have fellowship with an 18-wheeler and we head on to heaven, our church gets 10% of everything we got. And then we give 10% here and this and that and we leave enough for our boys to buy a truck. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Your kids don't need all your money. You, are you listening to me? Uh, we've enabled them probably too much. I, I've been the great enabler. We, our two boys have had their bumps in the road, and, and I know about enabling. And I shouldn't enable them when I'm living, and I shouldn't enable them necessarily when I die. Now, I've told them, if they're godly and over a stretch of years, I sense they're good stewards, you know, I'll give them a little more. But if not, and I mean business, you're going to get a truck. <laughs> now, I have to put a disclaimer in there. If I die before Laurie, they'll get everything. I mean, they'll work mama over, you know, a mama, 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 and she'll go, okay, I have to end. But I pray that if something happens, when our pastor in staff meeting several weeks later from the attorney gets that check, I hope he opens up and says, we miss old Swan and Laurie, but we got the check. <laughs> and it's not designated either. <laughs> it takes your sight. Can you see it? Houses and fields and vineyards again planted in the land. Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision for your, your grandkids? I mean, really, if you're going to leave anything, you ought to leave more. It, it, really, the Bible talks more about taking care of your grandkids than your kids. I mean, you know what you got with them. But the grandkids, there's hope. Do you have a vision, a dream? How about for your church? How about your community? You know, this is, I remember when the old location and now this, but there were folks way, way back there that gave of their heart and their time and their money that never, ever came to this highest location in this county. Like a beacon on a hill, but they had a dream. They saw it before they saw it. We have the same opportunity. And last of all, it takes your signature. Jeremiah signed on the dotted line. Your signature is pivotal. If you buy a house, they want your signature. I even had them put lorries on there too. If we go to jail, we're both going to jail. <laughs> you know, when you buy a car, they want your signature. Your, your income tax, you know what they want? Your signature. And it better be yours. They want your signature on a hunting license, your signature. Let me tell you what your signature is. Your signature is your character. It's your integrity. It's, it's the core of your being that, Lord, with, with all that I am, the best that I am, 
I'm going to plant the shade tree you want me to plant. I'm going to do it with your grace and your love. That's my heartbeat. That's what your signature is. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Let me end with a story, a personal story. I remember when I went to Baylor University, I was nervous about going to Baylor. Uh, I'd been a Methodist, you know, all my life, and here I'm going to Baylor to play a little baseball and, and all them Baptists. And I figured everybody around would just be walking around going, Hello, brother. You know, I just thought it'd be like a convent, you know, or, or Oklahoma Baptist University. You know, it'd be, you know, they're sort of the same way. I thought that's what it'd be. I got there and they weren't that way at all. Now, they didn't, now they didn't dance much, but the girls kissed real good. I mean, just, I mean, whoa. Uh, and I said I'd rather smooch than dance any day, so I crossed over, and they baptized me, put me under, and made me say tithe, and I came up, and, you know. But anyhow, when I went to, when I was, I was wanting to go to Baylor University, I'd had a fo- football scholarship, at Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas. And I'd been down there a week, but I left and I, I just didn't, li- I didn't like it. I just didn't feel that was right. I was a new Christian. I came back home to Austin. My high school football chaplain, Marshall Edwards, we called him Rabbi. Uh, he was a Baptist uh, and I was a Methodist, but he had helped win me to the Lord on March 15th, 1971, uh, my, G- my junior year. And uh, we just won our third state championship, beat Odessa Permian, old Mojo, the Friday Night Lights, baby. Some of y'all are looking at me going, well, I th- he does look athletic. Well, you know. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, when I came home, we were working people. No, never been a Swanberg uh, guy go to college. And so I was, my dad and I did moving and hauling on the side. So I was just going to be like two men in a truck and I'm going to start my business and that's what I'm going to do. But Marshall Edwards, our, our rabbi, our chaplain, he came, he heard I was home and he came over and he talked to my dad and he said, this needs to go to college. And my dad said, well, whatever you, you think he needs to go to college, Mr. Swanberg. My dad was raised, he was a sharecropper's son out, out on a, a farm, a sharecropper, uh, all of his life as a, as a kid and a teenager. You know, we weren't white collar, we weren't blue collar, we were more ring around the collar. And, and yet here, my, my, you know, my people. So all of a sudden he says, you need to go to Baylor. So Marshall picks me and my dad up in his yellow Ford LTD. It was a big old car. We're going, man, these preachers are getting paid good. You know how late men are. <laughs> and so Marshall's in the front, my dad's in front, I'm in the back. We drive up to Baylor, we go into Baylor. When the, it's all said and done, by the end of the day, they signed me up. I'm going to play baseball at Baylor. I, I'm a student. We drive back home. I get my stuff, and I drive back the next day because school starts on Tuesday. Then Marshall Edwards, I didn't know how Baptists did this, how they stole preachers, but in November, they, they brought Marshall Edwards up there to be pastor at Columbus Avenue. Oh, Rabbi, my high school football chaplain. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I was so thrilled. And I went over there and I joined his church. He baptized me and I was a Baptist from then on. And it was just a great experience. And then that spring, he, he had me come and be his youth pastor and grew me up in the Lord. And then I went off to seminary and master's doctorate and pastored. And, you know, Lord's been good. He was a young man, 32 years old, a young preacher. But I thought he was sort of old at 17. 
And he took a day off, took me to Baylor. It changed my world. It literally changed my world. But here's the rest of the story. Marshall Edwards was a high school student, high school student there in Covington, Georgia, at Newton County High School. He had a full scholarship to go to Harvard. He had an appointment for West Point. But he believed God wanted him to prepare for the ministry, so he wanted him to go to Baylor. He felt that in his heart. He told his dad, I'm going to Baylor. His dad said, if you go to Baylor, you won't get one penny from me. And he didn't. His dad, it was, it was a bad situation. Since then, Marshall's told me, he said, he said, I don't have one good memory of my father. He would write him letters and scold him, and he had to go to Baylor on his own. He had three jobs at Baylor. He pastored a little church. He was just trying to make it, trying to find a little scholarship here and there, trying to make it. Someone kept sending a check in that first semester, paid the balance. Didn't know who it was. Next semester, same thing happens. Next semester, next semester, his junior year, his senior year. It wasn't until a few weeks before he took me to Baylor that he gets a letter from a lady named uh, Miss Ellington. Mary Leela Ellington. It was his high school English teacher. He had her for one class, one semester. And as he read the letter, she said, Marshall, I was never going to tell you this, but I was in the attic the other day and I came across the checks that I sent to Baylor. I want you to know you're the greatest investment I've ever made in my life. Marshall couldn't believe it. He, he got on the phone, he found her number, called her, and she answered the phone and said hello, and then he couldn't speak, and he talks more than, than I do. There's a long pause, and she said, is this Marshall Edwards? He said, yes, ma'am. And again, she said, Marshall, you're the greatest investment I've ever made in my life. Mary Leela Ellington never made more than $5,000 a year. Mary Leela Ellington was single. She never married. One day, Marshall asked her, he said, Miss Ellington, did you ever have a boyfriend? Did you ever come close to getting married? She said, Marshall, I never had a date but you're my adopted son and I'm so proud of you and so proud of the investment I made. When I got in that LTD to go to Baylor, I didn't realize it back then, but I realize it now. Mary Leela Ellington was in the back seat with me driving up to Baylor, wasn't she? Wasn't she? When I was up there at Baylor, and they were trying to do all the paperwork, and I, you know, the, I brought my ACT score, which was a 16. <laughs> and Baylor said, you need to take it again. So I took it again and made another 16. But you know, you add those together. <laughs> 32. <laughs> Back then, they let you in because you're an athlete, and that's the way it ought to be. We make a contribution. She was there. If I could have heard her, she might have said something like, if I'd have had him for one semester, he'd made a 21. <laughs> when I finished Baylor and went to seminary, she was in 
1976 Pinto that Rev Winchell gave me when I left college because my car had died. I called my dad and said, Dad, my car's dead. You know what my dad said back then? I know you'll work it out. <laughs> I just thought I'd tell you, all right, good talking to you. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was supposed to go to, to seminary in two days. And I, Rev Winchell, a guy about 80 years old in the church that I didn't really, I knew sort of who he was, but he called me. And I know I don't want to offend you. And as I wrap this up, but he called and said, I hear your tail's in a crack. And I went, I no, I'm fine. He said, no, I heard your car dead. I said, yes, sir. Well, go find a new one. And when you find the one you want, have them call me and I'll, then you come to me, have a buddy bring you over here. I'll give you a check. You give it to them and then you drive it back and show it to me and then go on to seminary. I called my dad and told him this guy's going to buy me a car. You know what my dad told me? My dad said, you tell him to just keep it and help someone who really needs some help. <laughs> and I answered my dad. I said, Dad, we are those people. <laughs> and my dad said, what a man, what a Christian, what a man. And I picked out in 1976 Pinto hatchback because I didn't want to take advantage of him. Little did I know that that car would be the one if you got hit in the rear end, you'd blow up. But <laughs> I loaded up everything and I went to seminary in Fort Worth. Little did I know that Rev Winchell rode in the back seat and Miss Ellington was in the front seat with me. They were there when I graduated. They were there when I got married. They were there when my boys were born. I don't know how to say it, but they're, they're sitting probably somewhere in here, maybe next to you or in front of you. Little did they know they planted a shade tree for me that they never, ever sat under, but I've sat underneath that tree. God's a shade tree planter. He planted a shade tree for Zacchaeus just so he could see a friendly face. He planted a shade tree for Nathaniel just so that he could sit under it and do some thinking. He planted a mustard tree so Nick would have a good sermon illustration. Me too. He planted a tree on Calvary, didn't he? And he's planted a shade tree by the river of life for all of his shade tree planters to enjoy for eternity. And one day when we're there and Jesus calls on Paul Harvey and Paul Harvey says, and now the rest of the story. Page two. God will reveal all that his shade tree planters did. God's a shade tree planter. Don't you want to be just like him? Would you pray with me? Father, plant us this day by the river and grow us, feed us. May we be a blessing to others. May we be a shade tree.
in people's lives. Help us plant the shade trees you want us to plant today. May we hear you. Speak to us. May we surrender. May we give of our resources. May we see it before we see it. And may we give our signature. May it be a reality and be a blessing for years to come and something we rejoice about in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing in just a moment. Your pastor's here to receive you. Other ministers are here. Maybe you need to come today and say, you know what, I'd like to plant some shade trees, but you know, I'm sort of like that seed. I haven't died yet myself. You know, you got to die before you can come alive as a, as a plant in the kingdom of God. Why don't you give him your life? Tell the pastor, tell the minister, I'm giving Jesus my life. I want to be planted in his vineyard. I want him to grow me and trim me. I want to bear much fruit for his glory and blessing of my family and my friends and my church. If you already are a believer, maybe you just need to come and kneel and pray for just a moment, maybe 30 seconds to say, God, I'm here. I will be your shade tree planter. I will plant what you want me to plant and I will do it. Maybe you need to come and join this church, and join these shade tree planters. Planting shade trees you may never sit under, but others will for God's glory. Would you sing? Would you come and come quickly?